and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I want to read that again. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, our foundational text, as newborn babies, <clears throat> desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let us pray. Father, I thank you this morning, Father God, that your word, Father God, is like a hammer, Lord. It shatters, it breaks, and then it restores. Father, you said your word is living, and Father, we have come to this moment of time that we might feast upon your table this morning. I pray, Father, that as I minister this word of God, that it will be none of me and all of you. I pray, Father, that this word will fall on good ground, that I will have good continuity of thought, clarity for the sake of the kingdom and the gospel. So, Father, I pray that you would use these lips of clay and do what only you can do. Bring us to a place, Father, where we're more surrendered, where we love you more, where we serve you more, and where Jesus will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. We have been in a series. We have been talking about momentum. Uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago when we first started this series. We talked about the momentum of the early church and how that through momentum the early church exploded and there was great growth in the church of God. Uh, last week, we, we dealt with uh, the issue of Achan, how that Achan's sin basically paralyzed the whole move of God, that there was great momentum that was building uh, with the people of God at that time, and because of Achan's sin, the whole momentum and what God was doing was, was stopped. And so we talked about the importance of making sure that our life is right so that God can move in a way that he wants to move in our life. How many of you can say that you can use some good momentum in your life? That, that sense of building, that sense of I'm going someplace. Everybody wants that feeling in their life. Amen. You want to feel like you're, you're growing, you're moving towards something, that you're going from glory to glory to glory to glory. But what, but what I was really praying about this series of messages, one of the things that uh, came to me is what I want to talk to you about today and that is the issue of momentum in your personal walk with God. Amen. Everybody say, my walk, my walk. is important. It's important. My, walk my walk says something to other people. One of the things that I can tell you that's frustrating for me as a pastor, and I think every pastor, would, if a pastor after God's heart, longs to see that the people of God that he preaches to and teach that they grow up in the things of God. You want to see them. There's nothing more pleasurable than see people come into the kingdom of God and they get saved and then they grow up in the things of God. You see them get excited. You see them get enthusiastic. They're reading their Bible. They're praying. Their life is being changed. Their family, which was a shambles before, now is being healed because of the power of God. And, 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 and you know, there's nothing that's more satisfying than that. But also, the frustrating part, I want to get back to that, is that to see people sometimes come into the kingdom of God, but then, you know, maybe for a couple of weeks, they get, they're really excited about the things of God. You see them, they come to church, they get involved, and all of a sudden, you don't see them anymore. Yeah. It's like, man, what, what happened? I mean, what, where's that fire? 
Where is that enthusiasm? And where is that excitement I saw a couple of weeks ago? How many know it's not God's will that we have a yo-yo Christianity, that we're, that we're not up and down, but that we're people that are continuously growing up into the things of God. You see, maturity doesn't just happen by accident. Now, salvation is free, but discipleship is going to cost you something. I want to say that again. Salvation is free. Discipleship will cost you. In fact, we'll show you here in a moment. Discipleship will cost you your whole entire life. And that's one of the elements, I think, sometimes that is missing in our Christian experience. So God wants us to be people that are growing up in the things of God, that there's a level of maturity, that you're looking back over your life and that you can say honestly, that you can say, you know what? I'm a person that's progressing in the things of God. I'm not doing the same things I used to do. You know, I, I know how to handle anger now. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't just, just yell and scream at people anymore. You know, I'm, I'm nicer to people now. I'm, I'm serving more. My, my perspective on life, everything about me is different because I've been impacted by the power of God. And so there need to be in our lives that, that, that not only that, that you come into the kingdom of God and, and get saved. And how do you know that Jesus so loved the world that he, he died so that we all can be saved? But God don't want you to, if, if, if being saved was just what it was all about, then God could just take you home. Christianity is not just about getting fire insurance. Amen. Amen. Christianity is not about just getting fire insurance. Christianity is about living a life that is changing and impacting a generation with the glory of Christ. If we want to see our world change, if we want to see people, uh, families healed, if we want to see people find hope where there is no hope, we need to be people that are living out the principles of the word of God. And that means that we have to take it upon ourselves and say, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not just going to just go through the motions with this, but I'm going to take it a step further. Not only am I going to get saved, but you know what? I'm going to get involved in the life of the church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God with all my heart because I'm going to give him everything because he desires and he wants everything. One of the things about this thing is that understand this, that God didn't, you know, Jesus don't come into your life to, have to, 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 to grab a portion of your life. It's not about portion. When Jesus comes into your life, he comes to completely take over. Amen. Because reality is, he needs to take over because many of you are here because you recognize that you ain't been quite doing it right. If you're really honest with yourself, you don't have it all together. I know we, you look good. <laughs> We look like we have it all together, but if we're really honest, we don't really have it all together. And so something in you tells you, I need to take it a step further. And, and my whole point is, well, you know, if you've been driving a thing and it ain't been doing right, then why not try Jesus? Amen. And watch this. Trying Jesus is more than just going to church on Sunday. Can we get deep this morning? Is it okay we get deep? Trying Jesus is not just about, watch this, you know, uh, you know going, that's, that's a good start. How I many know that's a good start? But it's not just about that only. You see, it is about being transformed by renewing your mind and you becoming everything that Jesus wants you to become. Not staying in the place 
that you work. And I mean, no, it requires more than just coming to church on Sunday. It requires the five, seven days a week that you're giving your life to this thing. That you're seeking out God for yourself. That you're applying, look at the name and say apply. The Bible says don't just be hearers of the word, but be what? Doers of the word. That we come to a point in our life that we're not just hearing and we don't just want a good sermon, but I'm coming, Pastor, because I need to get something that will help me and help my life to be transformed. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to grow. I want one of the things when I first came into the kingdom of God, I, I had this I had this 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 undying thirst. And it hasn't stopped till this day that, you know, I was the first guy when church doors opened, I would get there 30 minutes early. I was on the front seat because I wanted if I if I gave my life to Jesus, then then what I wanted to know was what this life is all about. Because I mean, no, I mean, you don't you don't need anything else to put on the schedule. Right. I mean, your life is busy enough. You can find stuff to do. I don't need another religious experience. Come on, somebody say amen. I don't need to be entertained. I don't need that. If this is real, I want to see what it's all about. So I, I dove into this book full steam ahead. I mean, I jumped in here. I sought out what God was saying because I knew that, that my life now has changed and it's been transformed. So then I need to know how to live out my Christian experience. I need to learn what this book says about my life because I've just come into a new relationship with Jesus Christ. See, one of the things that's a clear sign of momentum is that you start growing into maturity. One of the things that is equally frustrating is you hear somebody say, well, I've been saved for 15 years. And they still can't tell you where the book of Romans is in the Bible. Amen. I've been saved for 30 years. But you still have unforgiveness and you're still dealing with bitterness. Amen. And you don't know how to put that stuff behind you. And you're a disciple of Christ. If you, if you really got that in the beginning, then you know that, that part of you got to die. You don't own yourself anymore, so I can't even hold a grudge. A brother said to me the other day, are, are you mad at me? about?" I said, brother, I ain't mad at you. About, I said, I'm saved. I said, I can't hold, I, I'm not permitted to have a grudge against anybody. Amen. I'm not permitted to, be, to walk around with an unforgiving spirit. I'm not permitted to do that. I am called to be his and his alone. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter number four. And I'm going to read this scripture verse. And then what we're going to do, we're going to give you eight principles, a key, eight key principles that will help you gain spiritual momentum in your walk with God. Ephesians chapter number four. When you get there, you can say amen. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. or Something like that. Pastor, I'm there. I'm, I'm excited about this or something like that. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter number four. I want to decipher this just a little bit. Now watch this. And we'll start in Ephesians four. We'll start in verse number 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles. Now I want you to hear this. And some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Watch this. For the equipping of the saints. Now, I want you to hear that. Now, he gave some apostles, pastors, and teachers for what? For the equipping of the saints. So my job, number one, for example, as a pastor, is to help to equip you. Well, equip me for what? Well, let's keep reading. The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. 
But wait a minute, I, I, I didn't know I was supposed to be involved in, in ministry. I just thought I could just be saved and just kick back and relax. How many know that that's not what God, that's not God's plan? Because see, your, see, here's what I'm trying to show you, is that your personal momentum in your life, or the lack thereof, affect more than just you. Are, are you with me? If you have a lack of momentum in your life, that also would affect your home. It affects, obviously, the body of Christ and other people. So the more excited we are about the things of God, the more that we have a sense of momentum that is building up in our personal life, that is gonna, that's going to trans, that, that's going to go out into uh, the lives of others that we are affiliated with. For he says, for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now watch this. To a perfect man. Now the real translation of perfect there is mature. See, God wants all of us to be mature believers. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now watch this. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Amen. Now how many know that there's a whole bunch of doctrine that's floating around out there today? I mean, you just open your eyes just a little bit. I mean, you can watch TV just a little bit. I mean, people are coming up with stuff. I'm like, how in the world are you getting that? I was watching CNN the other day, and they had two pastors. Uh, both of them uh, have, uh, was, was, had two different perspectives on, on the same scripture text. And one of them was basically saying, and I don't want to get into it because I don't want to be up here like I'm picking or anything like that, but, but basically... One of the ministers there was clearly denying the word of God. What was clearly written. I'm sitting there like, what, 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 what is going on? And he's actually formulating his own doctrine. You know, the Bible says that in the last days they will, they will, they will heap up to themselves the teachers, uh, you know, that will teach according to their own lust. There are all kind of doctrines out there. Now, now see, but mature Christians, they know the difference between a Jehovah Witness and a Mormon, come on, and a, uh, a Muslim or a Bo- or Buddhism, we know the difference. Amen. And if you can't tell me today, I don't know the difference, then we just have some work to do. If somebody come knock on your door, and they say, we want to tell you about Jesus Christ, but, but you know, would you have a witness? Then you need to know, what is that all about? Come on. We're talking about being mature. We're not picking at anybody, but we're saying that God expects, and here's the point, God don't expect you just to get saved and, and just stay where you are. He expects you to grow up in this thing. Amen. God expects you to mature Amen. so that you will be able to know the difference. Amen? Amen? So he don't want us to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Watch this. With every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. Amen. You know, trickery means being deceitful. People start tricking, you know, and if you know the word, you can catch it real quick. You know, when people started, you know, it's like I don't want to receive the truth. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pervert it. You see, I'm going to twist it to make it fit what it is that I want. But how many know one of the basic principles of lordship is that you die to yourself? Do you know that's in essence what Christianity really is all about? Is it no wonder sometimes why we're not moving and gaining the kind of momentum we need to have? Because sometimes we're still trying to hold on to certain things. And God is saying, no, you got to let that go. Amen. Oh, come on, I'm preaching this morning. you got to let it go. Look at your neighbor and say, let it go. Let it go. I know it's hard. Come on, tell them, I know it's hard. But, but you got to let it go. 
Okay. And he says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. Watch this, verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. I like this. And look at the name and say, everybody. everybody. Supposed to be supplying something. How does the body grow? By that which every joint supplies. So then, if you ain't doing your part, then you're hurting my momentum. Because the body grows by that which everybody is doing. When everybody do their share, I mean, no, things are a whole lot easier. Am I right about it, Michelle? When everybody does their part, when everybody does their part, it makes it easy for everybody. And one of the things that will stop momentum in your life is when you have people who are not fulfilling their responsibility. Come on. I don't care if it's in your marriage. I don't care if it's uh, on your job. Obviously in the church. So the Bible says that everybody is supposed to be supplying something. So you need to ask yourself the question, what am I supplying to the body? How am I making things better? Some of you got gifts inside of you. You got talents inside of you. I mean, God has equipped you somewhat. And, you know, and we need your gifts. And by you not, by you, when you don't share what God has put in you, you're depriving me of what's mine. Boy, it's quiet in here this morning. Oh, Lord. Nobody want to take their gifts back, do they? Okay. <laughs> okay. From whom the whole body joined together, knit together, by that which every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body. So, here, so, here's, so here's, what, here's what God is saying. When everybody do what they're supposed to so In other words, when your personal life got momentum, then watch this. Then you bring momentum wherever you go. It's contagious. If everybody in here is healthy spiritually, if your family is healthy spiritually, if your marriage is healthy, if you're healthy in your body, everything about your life, if it's healthy spiritually, guess what? You are a walking momentum, and everywhere you go, you're going to change the atmosphere because you come with momentum. That's good. That's right. Because, now watch this. Now, 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 you all, some of you all who are married, tell me this. If the momentum in your marriage is hurting, how many know that you, you go to church and, and, and it's going to hurt some stuff? I know nobody get in arguments right as they come into church. You married people, you never got an argument as you're about to walk into the door. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. How you doing today? You get on my nerve. How you doing today? Praise the Lord. You know how we do. Because, see, if that ain't working right, then it affects everything. Amen. Then you bring that lack of momentum into here, and now everybody else is jacked up. Amen. Because you jacked up. Amen. Oh, come on. Amen. So, so here's what we're talking about. So we're talking about your personal life, having that momentum in your life. Because God wants you to, God wants that sense in your life whereby you're growing, you're moving, you're, you're accomplishing things. I want to give you eight things, and then we're going to get out of here. Eight things. Eight things. Watch this. Eight things that will help you grow and keep momentum in your spiritual walk with God. Number one, you've got to have a commitment to discipleship. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 33. I think we have that in the, in the uh, new. There we go. Now watch this. Now I, 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 you can read it on the screen if you like. I'm going to look at it on the screen. Now watch this. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 33, I believe, or something like that, right? All right. It says, great crowds were following Jesus. Now I want you to hear this. He turned around and said to them, watch this. If you want to be my follower, watch this. You must love me more than your own father. Amen. Amen. And we're about to get deep. Come on. Now, now, just so you know, 
I didn't write this. So don't get mad at me. Well, Pastor, you need to. I, I'm just going to read what the Bible says. Watch this. He says, if you want to be my follower, you must love me more than your own father, your mother, your wife, and your children, brothers, and sisters. Yes, more than your own life. How often do you hear that preached? Come on. But this is basic Christianity. Now, you look at that and say, well, God's, God's not taking anything from you. Listen, when you keep God first, he make everything else right. The reason why marriages and their problems in our world is because Jesus is not exalted. He's not put on the throne of our lives. When you put him first, then everything else has balance. Anytime you try to move and take him off the throne, you're going to have problems. If it's in your marriage, if it's in your finances, it don't matter. If he ain't Lord at all, he ain't, if he ain't Lord of all, of all, he is not Lord at all. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. And so what Jesus is saying is, look, if you really want to be my disciple, you say you love me. You say that, 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 that you want to be sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to make a difference in the earth. Then here's what you first got to come to grips with. Nothing can be more important than me. Because after all, I gave you everything you got anyway. The things that you enjoy the most, the thing that bring you the most pleasure, who gave it to you? Jesus gave it to you. So why would you take that thing and put it above him and think you're going to be blessed? You're going to have problems. I'm just trying to warn you. Because he loved you that much. Now watch this. Now, he says, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. Keep going. He said, and you cannot be my disciple if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. Okay? But don't begin, uh, but don't begin until you count the cost. Watch this. For who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates and then checking to see if there is enough money to pay the bills? Watch this. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of funds. And then how everyone would laugh at you. Watch this. Keep going. They would say, there's the person who started that building and ran out of money before it was finished. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, when you come into my kingdom, you got to understand, you got to first count the cost. That this is going to cost you a lot. Well, pastor, what do you mean it's going to cost me a lot? What are you saying, pastor? Well, let's keep reading. Or what king would ever dream of going to a war without first sitting down with his counselors and discussing whether his army of 10,000 is strong enough to defeat the 20,000 uh, 20, soldiers who are marching against him? If he is not able, then while the enemy is still far away, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace. Watch this. So no one can become my disciple without giving up everything for me. Now, what would the church look like if believers gave up everything for Jesus? Wow. We won't have any problem getting people in here to do anything on Saturday. We won't have to beg you for nothing. Amen. We won't have to beg you for money. We won't have to beg you for your service. We won't have to beg you for anything. Amen. Because you don't, well, you know, I, I got a life, you know. You ever heard that? No, you don't. Not as a Christian, you don't. Amen. He is your life. Amen. Or... He might not be your life. See, either he's Lord or he isn't. He's saying here that you can't be my disciple unless you give up everything for me. 
you know, everything. Why is it sometimes we have to beg folks to read the Bible, beg folks to pray? Oh, come on, brother, come on, brother, come on, come on. We still struggling with this. I'm not quite ready to do all that right now. You know, and here's the excuse that we make. Uh, I'm growing. Uh, it's a process, you know. You know, I'm taking my time. I'm getting, no, no. Let's start with this. Give up everything. How much of a process do you need? Look at it and let it go. Amen. Oh, I told you this is going to be deep. But see, here's the thing that will set you free in your walk with God. And here's the big barrier to why people don't grow up in the things of God. They have no momentum in God. That's why they're stagnant. Because they're still grappling with, I don't know if I, if I, I, don't know if I need to, they need to pray, do I need to read my Bible? That, that's, and, you know, we quick to want to argue, right? That's, that's legalism. Okay, nobody's asking you to read your Bible every day because we want to make it legalism. But if you say you're a disciple of Jesus, you want to learn how to live your life, don't you think you might want to open it up and see what he says? How are you going to know how to live? How are you going to, where are you going to get your cues from? I mean, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, ABC. I mean, what, where are you going to get your cues from? People Magazine, The Inquirer. Please don't tell me you read The Inquirer. <laughs> but even not in the Word of God, where, 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 how are you learning how to live this life? I mean, where are you getting your information from? I'm going to tell you where you're getting it from. You're getting it from everything you hear. Constantly, that's coming from the world, and it's helped shaping your value system. Amen. Number two, a commitment to prayer. Amen. The Bible says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. The Bible also says that the fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. <laughs> Jesus says men ought always to pray and never quit. You can't tell me you're serious about gaining momentum in your personal walk with God if you're not serious about prayer. How many of you are comfortable talking to God? Amen. Amen. You know, and and I'm not quite sure how to, you know, it it ought to be that when you talk about praying or Seeking God, I mean, you know, how I many know sometimes you got to labor to do that? Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, God's going to require, like in consecration week, he's going to require you to fast. While you sitting there arguing about his legalism, <laughs> God is saying, if you really want, see, it, it, it's all about this. How bad do you want him? Amen. How deep do you want to go? He said, draw near to me. And I will draw near to you. So then my relationship with God is a reflection on my desire for him. Are, are you with me? So the more that I, if I want to get closer to him, then I have to take the responsibility and say, Lord, Lord you know what? I'm, I'm going to go a step further. I'm, I want to draw near to you. And so what prayer does is prayer, number one, it affirms my need for God. Amen. See, every time I pray, you know what I'm saying? Lord, I can't live without you. God, and, and I think sometimes the reason we, we don't pray is because something is telling us that, that, that we can kind of make it without God. Because let me tell you why I know that. Because when there's trouble in your life, I don't have a problem getting people to come to prayer service. Uh-huh. 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 When there's trouble, you'll come to prayer service then. Uh-huh. Pastor, pastor, have you need to pray for me? Pray. Wait, come on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God don't want us living a life that we only pray and talk to him when things go wrong. 
I mean, I, if my wife, if I only talked to her when things were wrong, I mean, come on. She'd be like, what's up with you? She ain't going to want to stay with me. See, this is a relationship. We talk when it's good. We talk when it's bad. I'm in constant. Well, you, you know what? Here's what? Well, you know what? I can just I can just pray at home. You know, most of the time I hear people say that. I wonder how much at home they're really praying. Yeah. Amen. Ain't none of my business. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that there ought to be an enthusiasm about seeking the face of God. Yeah, right. That we say consecration week. That should be. Oh, I get to pray and talk to God all week. <laughs> Hallelujah! This is going to be good. And then we you know you start writing down your stuff. God's going to move on this thing. Because what prayer does is it gives God the opportunity to show up on your behalf. And it draws you closer. I mean, it is amazing to me that when I pray and I seek the face of God and God answers my prayer, how many know that encourages you? It encourages you to want to keep praying because God is listening to me. God is caring for me. God spoke to me. He gave me revelation about this problem. I've been praying for that sister. I've been praying for that brother. And I just saw God move. I mean, that'll encourage your heart. So we got to be serious. If you're going to have momentum in your life, I mean, you need to have a prayer life. And it need to be a serious one. Commitment to the word of God. I think we talked about that a minute ago. You got to have a commitment to the word of God. I mean, the Bible is God's love letter to us. If there's no real commitment to the word of God, let me tell you something. The word of God is under siege today like never before. And sometimes I can't even stomach what I'm hearing. You know, I just get, because I see that we're fastly approaching the time where Christ is about to come back. Now, I know you're saying, well, they've been saying that for years. Well, I'm telling you, I, I know every day we get closer. <laughs> I don't know the date or time. But every day we get closer when Jesus is going to come back. And you make sure you're ready when he comes. Make sure you're in the kingdom of God because this is for real. How many know this is for real? This is real. But let me tell you something. The word of God, the Bible said all, all the scripture. It says all the scripture. And I think that's in, uh, what verse is that? That's in uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, 16. Do we have that verse? I think. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is given by uh, inspiration of God. In other words, this whole book is from God to you. God said, okay, you want to know how to do it? Here, take this. Like when he told Joshua, he said, I want you to take this. I want you to meditate in it every day of your life. Well, why, Joshua, why I got to read the Bible every day? Well, again, how deep do you want to go? You, I mean, we, we got so much technology, even if you're a person who says, well, I don't like to read. You can get it on the CD. And if you got the iPhone, you can get it on your iPhone, because I got it on my iPhone. <laughs> I got the word on my, I never had you know, like sister. I gave it to her last week on her iPhone. So I can drive to work and I can listen to the word. There's no reason why Christians should not be in the word and know this book. I'm amazed at how many Christians, they just, I'm like, come on. It's like, it's like getting a job, but you don't know anything about the job. You know, when the, when the boss gives us a job, one of the first things they do is give you a manual. Here's how it works. When I became a police officer, you, you know, the first thing is that they gave me, we call them general orders. For your military, y'all probably use the same terminology. GOs. Do it. 
Now, you are accountable to it. And I remember saying, well, I don't know everything in there. Well, you know, it don't matter whether you know it or not, but if you violate, you are accountable for what you don't know. Because we're going to give it to you. See, God said, I'm going to give this to you, and you're accountable for even the stuff you don't read. You're accountable this morning for what you're hearing. You're accountable for this word that you're getting this morning. So we have to have a commitment to the word of God. We got to, we got to, you know, we're going to have build spiritual momentum in our personal walk with God. We got to be praying. And brother, we got to get to a point. Where I love the word. I love the word. We talked about discipleship a minute ago. And one of the things we're going to be starting here is our discipleship classes. And I know you said, wait a minute, here I go again. Another day of the week. Well, first of all, we only meet once a week in this church, right? I mean, if you're doing some work, then you might on it Saturday on occasion. But you know what disciple, you know what, we know what that does? It helped bolster Amen. your spiritual energy, your knowledge, Amen. because you begin to get to go and ask questions. Say, look, can you help me with this? How am I supposed to do this? What does the Bible say about this area that I'm struggling with? Is there, is there a remedy for this? Amen. I mean, that's why I look at the Bible like medicine. Amen. I think the Bible, I think the Bible have everything in it that pertains to life and godliness. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Watch this now. Now, number four. We only got eight of these, so I'm, I got to move quick. Everybody say, hurry up, pastor. Come on, who's bold enough to say it? Come. Did you say hurry up? <laughs> but say, I don't mean that. <laughs> All right. All right, number four, we got to connect with the right people. If you're going to get spiritual momentum in your life, you got to connect with the right people. Now, watch this. Now, Jesus hung around sometimes sinners. Am I right about it? So we ain't talking about you know, isolating yourself, being in a, in a little holy huddle where, you know, it's all about them and us. Yeah. No, you know, you know, but Jesus, Jesus went into these places, but every time he went, he went with medicine. He went, he preached the gospel to him. He never affirmed unrighteous behavior. See, I can be in a dark environment, but I don't have to affirm the things I know that is wrong. I don't have to laugh at dirty jokes. I don't have to listen to you talk about how you're going to go cheat on your wife. And I just sit there and laugh. <laughs> no, no. Brother, no, you, no, the Bible, no, that's wrong. You can't do that. The Bible says the whoremongers and the adulterers, God's going to judge. You ain't going to escape the judgment of God if you go do that. Oh, I don't want to hang around him. I want to go to lunch with Pastor. I don't know. I want to hear all that. But, 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 how I many know? But, but, but what we're talking about is we can't allow ourselves to be hanging around with certain people that you know that's not going where you're going. You know, if you tell me I want to get serious about Jesus, then you can't be hanging around people who ain't thinking about Jesus. Amen. I mean, I'm just saying hanging for the sake of hanging out. Amen. I'm not talking about you're trying to reach them. I'm talking about, okay, this is my friend. You know, I'm going to tell you something. When I first got saved, I got a brother, a couple of, I had some close friends. I mean, I would call them friends. We knew each other inside out. When I got saved, you know, uh, you know I was just like, uh, I'm sorry, this is where I'm going. And... Uh, they ended up walking away from me. But God gave me more. Because I wasn't going to compromise who I am as a believer. So I just say, you know, okay, great. You want to do that? That's fine. Um, you know, I still love you. I think I want God to bless you. But I can't live like that no more. I can't. Because I don't want to be in bondage. How many of you know that sin is bondage? I mean, how I many you don't want to be a slave to unrighteousness? No, I want to be a slave to everything right. I want to be free in Jesus. 
I want to be free. And so how many know there's some people that you're hanging around? Let God speak to you about that. There are some people that you're hanging around that is hindering your spiritual walk with God. That every time you talk, every time you, but, but God is speaking to you about it, and you're thinking, oh, again, you know, you will never get to that next level until you're willing to let some of those people go. Some of those people are just bad influences. I've seen a lot of Christians who get saved, but then they, they stay in the same environment. I was talking to this guy the other day. Uh, we was, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm part of a U.S. Marshals Task Force, so I go around and I, uh, I do extraditions. So I'm bringing this, this one guy back. We're bringing him back from, I think, South Carolina someplace. This guy was saying to me, you know, he's talking about how he's going to get out of jail and how he's going to completely, you know, it's different. I said, well, what's your plan? Mm-hmm. I said, you've been sitting in jail, like, for like two, three years, and you're about to get out. What is your plan when you get out? Because what happens is, oftentimes they get out and they go right back, watch this, the same environment, hanging around with the same people, and then they end up getting involved in the same sin and back in jail. So I say, you got to have a plan. How am I going to get out? How am I not going to end up back here again? What's your plan? Oh, I never thought of it was like that. Duh. Number five. We're going to go fast on the next ones. You got to share your faith. Look at the name and say, share your faith. If you're going to build spiritual momentum in your life, you got to share your faith. No, pastor, that's your responsibility. That's, that's your responsibility, pastor, share your faith. I'm just supposed to come and hear you preach to me. That's, your, that's what you went to school for. That's your anointing. I'll share my faith if somebody asks me. Boy, I... Did disciples, did the apostles do that? Did they stay up in the upper room and they got filled with the Holy Ghost? Come on, what did they do? They hit the streets, didn't they? Everywhere they went, they started preaching. You're going to hear this. People come to my house on the weekends and on Sundays. This is way before I became a pastor. You come out, I'm going to visit you on the weekend, good. On Sunday, we're going to church, though. You're going to hear this. Come to my house. I'm going to play some Christian. I'm going to turn it up. You're going to hear this. Am I trying to be mean? No. I'm not trying to be mean. But I know my responsibility is to share the gospel. That's everybody's responsibility in here. Everybody is supposed to be more, even more concerned than me. But wait a minute. We got empathy. We need to get somebody in here. We need to bring people. Let me go. But, But I don't know what it is in church today. We just look at that as optional. It's like we don't even really care about the people that are lost, we talk to, and we can't say nothing. I mean, I know I'm not the greatest preacher in the world, but I ain't that bad. If you can't bring him to church, I ain't going to hurt nobody. I mean, yeah, we, we, we're saying to the CD, I understand all that. We're trying to fix that. I know it ain't all that we wanted to be just yet, but I can't be that bad that you can't bring him to church and let him hear the word. Everybody is supposed to be involved. And this is not something that Pastor Gary jumped up. You are called. The Bible says go and make disciples of all nations. Everybody is supposed to be doing that. Every individual is supposed to be doing that. Those folks you talk to on the job, hey, Brandon, you go to church? Well, you need to come visit our church. Come on. I'm going to take you to church. If they'll go with you to Starbucks, they'll go with you to the golf course, they'll go with you. They can come with you to the church. Amen. Mm. All right, I got to keep going. All right, what's num- what number are we on? All right, you got to overcome your fear and doubts. That's number six. 
How many know that God's oftentimes going to ask you to do stuff, the stuff that is going to go against what you're comfortable with? Kind of my wife was talking about this morning during the offering time. She's talking about that fear. You know, we all have fear. If I do this, if God really going to do what he says, because I don't want to be taken advantage of. I'm not going to let you use me. Somewhere I read the Bible says, blessed are those that are used and persecuted for righteousness sake. Great is your reward in heaven. That's what I read. I don't know what you're reading. So if people use me, that's okay. I got an advocate. Now, I'm not saying you should be a doormat. I'm not saying that. I'm like, put your at ease. I'm not saying that. But how many know that, that we got we to gotta be, the Bible says that the wicked flees when no man per, uh, pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Amen. There ain't no fear with the people of God. We don't, I, I open my mouth. I'll lay hands on you. I was in Panera Bread one day talking to a brother, and he said that we cried. We, and it was like, you know, Panera Bread. You, you, how many like Panera Bread? I love Panera Bread. Thank you, Larry and Diamond gave me a Panera Bread card. I use that all up quick. But, you know, Panera Bread uses always a bunch of people in Panera Bread. And I'm in there, and, you know, and, you know, I got to a point, I just don't care. How many of you got to get to a point, you don't care about what people say or think. Some of us are so jacked up in fear, we won't even open our mouth because we're scared because we don't want people, people to say, we don't want people to think bad of us. We don't want people to think we're crazy. You know, Paul said, look, I'll be a fool for Christ. You know, and so I'm sitting in Panera Bread, and here he is crying. And, uh, you know, and now that was, I'll be honest, there was a time I'd be looking around like, oh, 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 let's pray, brother. <laughs> let's pray, let's pray. Because you don't want people to see you praying on public. You, want pe- you don't want people to see you laying hands on people. I, I, but, I, you know, Jesus went around, he just went around laying hands on everybody, didn't he? He went around, you know. And so I said to the brother, I said, brother, we're going to pray. We're we, we going to do it. Do it right here. The Holy Spirit is moving. Ain't no time to go and try to find a spot. This is the spot. Let's pray right now. I don't care about them people. This is your life. You got to come to a point in God where you don't fear. That you're not scared to open up your mouth. You're not scared for people to even look at you and say you are a lunatune. You know, that's what it's coming to. If you're a real Christian, they're going to look at you. What are they saying about you today? They're saying you are a bigot. They're saying you're discriminating against them because you say that your gospel is the only way to God. How dare you say such a thing? What do you mean your gospel is only? Who do you think you are? Oh, my God created the whole thing. I mean, there's something about the resurrection that, that, that kind of put everything to rest. So you need to be able, that's what we're talking about. You need to be strong enough in the word of God that you can articulate to people why that is. But now they're calling you. They're saying, no, you are a bigot. You are intolerant of other people. I said, no, brother, I love everybody now. Don't get me. I love you. I love you. But, but I got to tell you the truth. The Bible says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. There you go. Next. You got to avoid the, the number seven. Then we got eight. I've been going how many? 15 minutes? I've been going so far? How long? I've been going. Okay. All right, number seven, avoid procrastination. If you're going to have momentum in your life, stop procrastinating. Well, you know, one of these days I'll get to it. Get to it and do it. The best time is now. Procrastination is the enemy to momentum. How many of you men have you've had projects around the house? You've been saying, I'm going to get to it. And your wife keeps saying, when are you going to do it? My wife here. When are you going to do it? When are you going to fix it? They tear it up. But when are you going to fix it? 
kids be tearing the house up. I'm in the house and I hear stuff. Boom, boom, boom. You know, as a father, you know, yeah, oh my God, what they done broke. I go downstairs, the doors off the hinges, like, oh, gosh. I'm not going to say which one of my kids did it because they'll get mad at me. But I'm like, I'm about to stand like, baby, what's that? Boom, 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 boom. Oh, God. And then you need to hurry up and fix it. I need to hurry up and fix it. But so I, I, I put it, they, they put holes in my wall. They put, the children put holes in my wall. I passed it up, painted the bathroom. Within a month or two, the holes were back in the wall. You know where I put the putty at? They stuck a pin right in where the putty was and put another hole, the same hole. So I came in the bathroom. I said, baby, what's up? You need to fix this. <laughs> and so, you know, I procrastinate. Now, part of my procrastination on purpose, I'm like, y'all need to learn a lesson. But no. But, <laughs> but you need to... I mean, no, we need to stop procrastinating. God's been asking us to do some things. Well, I'm going to go to church one day. I'm going to go to that Bible study one day. I'm going to read this book one day. What are you waiting for? How do you know do you have the next day? Who told you you won't live the next day? I mean, there was a, a gentleman at Brookpoint just finished a football game. I'm sure when he was on the football field, he wasn't thinking that uh, he was going to die on the way home. How old was he? 18? 19? Who, who, who told us that we have all this extra time? So if the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something, just do it. Don't be procrastinating because it's the enemy to momentum. Last. Here's a big one, and then we finish. Here's the one that everybody likes. I'm going to get a big smile. You all going to smile. You're going to be like, ding. You're going to be like, so here it is. If you're going to gain momentum in your life, you've got to be a giver. Oh, boy, what happened? <laughs> Where's that enthusiasm? Where's that passion? <laughs> look, at, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and, and, and closing, and we're finished with this scripture verse. Now, why, why do you say that? Well, number one, I say it because Jesus was a giver. You understand that, right? And he expect, the Bible said he, he so loved the world that he gave. How many know he gave his what? Best. Now, watch this. Look at verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always have an all-sufficiency in all things. Do you hear that? That's right. God is able to make the kind of grace abound toward you that you will have sufficiency for, like we say in the country, everything. Everything. All right. <laughs> Amen. For those of you who are not sure of that, everything. I just have to throw that in there. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. That's right. That's right. This is good. He said, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sore, bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase. Everybody say increase. increase. The fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in what? everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. That's wonderful. God is, see, when we become givers, we open the door for God to just give us more. So, so there won't be no lack in the ministry. There won't be no lack in your home. If you're wanting to bless, there's no lack. If you're wanting to make a purchase, there's no lack. Why? Because God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you can have enough for every good work because you are a giver. And how many know you cannot give God? Amen. If you're going to build spiritual momentum in your life, you've got to be a giver. You've got to be a giver. 
And you have, let me tell you something, I got a revelation for you. You know when you're really at the point where you're a big giver? Let me tell you when you're a really big giver, when you're a good giver. It's when, after you write the check, you look at it and you think to yourself, boy, I can do a whole lot with that. You're on your way. I mean, there was, there was time. Everybody right? used to write, sit down. Whoo, man. You know, so I think about all the stuff, and you know, we, and then when you do that, it don't work out anyway. It's going to be because you got to remember, if he ain't on the throne first, That's right. everything else is going to be out of whack. That's right. Amen. And so God is saying, you want to build momentum? He said, be a giver because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to keep giving to you. Right. And I'm going to keep making you successful. You're going to keep having abundance. You're going to be having an overflowing. You're going to be able to walk around and just be a blessing everywhere you go because you're a giver. Amen. Amen. And you're not ashamed about it. Right. So these are the eight things. So just name them real quick. What are the eight things? Who, who wrote them down? Right. Name them. Go. Uh, commitment to discipleship. One. Commitment to prayer. Two. Get to the word of God. Three. Connect with the right people. Four. Share my faith. Five. Overcome my fear in God. Six. I walk in transformation. Seven. Eight. Now, if those things are working in your life, Listen, you will prosper. You will grow in the things of God. And let me tell you something. The grace of God knows no bound in your life. You will be blessed in every aspect. And you will gain the spiritual momentum that you believe in God for it. Amen? Amen. Every head is closed.